Hello and welcome to episode five of the Pocket Dojo podcast. I'm Paul Crick. And I'm Asha Singh. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2024, which promises to be a year of great transformation for the world. We hope that you had a restive, restorative or restful, even restorative holiday season, however you celebrate it, and that your start to this year is smooth and fruitful. We often have a tendency in January to race full on into the year, when in fact the depth of winter is absolutely perfect for preparing the ground and sowing new seeds that'll sprout and grow in spring. So this month, we're taking a look back at some of the topics we've covered in the first four episodes of the Pocket Dojo podcast and setting the scene for some of the upcoming next shows. We'll be looking back at why Paul and I came together to start this podcast and to offer the renewal retreat for women who lead at Broughton next spring. We'll be thinking about what we see in organisations and what we might want to do differently. And then I'll be reflecting on inner and outer nature and how the two mirror one another. I'll go on from there to chat with the amazing Jennifer Hamady about how we find our own voice. We've also looked at how Aikido principles can help you develop your leadership practice, both on and off the mat. So there's an important book by Giles Hutchins and Laura Storm called Regenerative Leadership. And in that, they talk about the four disconnections that we seem to be seeing all over the world right now. The first is the disconnections from human, between humans and nature. The second is the apparent disconnection between masculine energy and feminine energy. The third one is the disconnection between mind, body and spirit. And the final one was between logic and emotion. And the reason we're putting this retreat together is because we are hoping to do some work with some senior women to help them uh, through the process of doing their own reconnections to those things. Is that about right? I think so. And I think, you know, also just at a personal level, when we met um, at a leadership event in Germany just over a year ago, actually, it feels like so much longer. Yes. It was last summer. Um, you know, though, I think there was a, a recognition that we, you both, you and I, are holding uh, combinations of those things mm. and that we were really curious to bring those together and see how that could um, help to create an amazing experience for women who want to explore these disconnections, exactly. And I get a sense from the research that we've both done um, that these are themes that keep coming up mm. over and over again, yeah, not necessarily in that precise language, mm. but that, mm. that you know, we've reached an inflection point. <laughs> we recognize that things need to be different. How do we do that? So exactly. The, the the why of the retreats is to is to give women that opportunity for exploration yeah and also just a you know another thing that's coming to me as we're talking is that you know there's a lot of of energy and action and let's cancel everything that mm. you know we think is is not working or we make these you know strong judgments about whether something is good or not or mm. whatever and rather than um sort of poor fuel or you know on the flames of that wiping everything out and starting all over again it's really about 
uh, exploration and healing and there's so many different you know aspects that could be explored so that it's a process of integration yes. as opposed to let's just scratch everything and start all over again and ways that we should do or shouldn't do and what i think we both really want to to get away from that kind of approach to to dealing with some of the challenges i agree i think it's i think it's too easy to throw away yeah. uh, the the maybe out with the bathwater as the expression goes and i think you have to find where you are now to be able to say, right, this is where we are. This is a recognition of how I truly feel, mm -hmm. you know, when I take time to explore that mm -hmm. and then to go through a thought process of, in, as a collective and individually, to think about, okay, so where, where do I want to go now? I'm a long time um, coach, facilitator, I work mainly today with executive teams. Uh, I have done a lot of work with senior women leaders looking to find their own voice and their own way of leading in uh, quite hierarchical, very geopolitical, often conflict-ridden, uh, you know, mature organization, organizational systems, which they are expected to transform um, and exploring with them, how can they do that mm -hmm. in ways that allow them to be them, be themselves, you know, mm -hmm. to be who they are. Um, they're often, you know, really smart, powerful, competitive, high achieving, you know, amazing women that do amazing things in their spare time that, you know, I'm like astounded by. Um, I don't, I, I, that's not who I am, but I have found uh, that what I can bring as a woman moving through those systems, um, as somebody who comes in and out and, you know, knows them well, the systems, knows the dynamics, knows the challenges, knows the stories, the narratives that get told, um, can be really effective in helping them to find their own way through. Um, so that's what is bringing me into into doing the work. Um, and in coming together with Paul, we met um, at a leadership circle event. That's one of the systems of, of leadership that we've both been interested in along the way. Um, at an event not much more than a year ago. And I'll let Paul, you know, talk about your own work in that. But in, you know, starting to experiment with Paul about some of the, the work that he will also bring, I think, into the retreat, um, there was a really lovely connection of bringing that. You talked, mentioned about the disconnect between masculine and feminine mm -hmm. and being in nature. Um, and I think those were, for me, at least the, the particular sort of things that got me really curious about how could we bring these, mm. you know, who we are, together into something to create the kind of experience we want to offer to the women that will take part. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my work's been, uh, so I've been a coach for 13 years. Uh, and as part of becoming a coach, you end up doing your own work. Um, fundamental part. It's, yeah, absolutely fundamental. And what's been interesting is when you then go out into the world and say, hey, I'm a coach, who can I serve? Mm -hmm. My clients have been senior women, not because I've necessarily gone out and said, hey, senior women, come and work with me, but mm -hmm. simply somehow mm -hmm. that's the way it's ended up. And 
they're in large corporate size, a management consultant working all over the world for 20 plus years and saw all kinds of things. You know, I worked with 40 plus global companies in different states of change and progress and looking at the systems in there, what worked, what didn't. I got involved in training what might be called soft skills. Mm -hmm. And the more you delve into that, the more you get a sense of dissatisfaction. So I was lucky to do a TED talk in 2019. Uh, and there's this astonishing figure in there uh, that, that still boggles my mind and most people's new minds because it's just so big, which is they estimated we spent $366 billion globally on training leaders around the world in various terms. <laughs> there was a part of me that said, well, if that's the case, why is it not working? I, I couldn't do that. So yeah. I, I couldn't figure out what that was. And so I wanted to find new ways of moving away from let's all fly to a hotel in Copenhagen, let's do flip charts, let's do models. role plays, let's do models, um, which are all very valid. But if they're not working, we need to do something, not necessarily throw the baby out with the bathwater, but we need to try other things. And, and my experience is you have to teach the whole person, so therefore you have to bring the body into play. That doesn't happen in hotel conference rooms too often, um, if at all. Mm. And I think that's essential. I think also we need to bring people outside. So, you know, this, this flying into an airport, going to the hotel, spending three days in a conference room, getting in a taxi, going back to the hotel, you know, you miss out on a whole bunch of things that could open up people to new ideas, new ways of being, new ways of connecting mm. um, that those curriculums don't do. And so when I came to Göttingen and we met, I was bringing, um, so if you read my uh, material on LinkedIn, you'll find out that I, I, I do martial arts and my black belt in Aikido. And I wanted to find don't a mess. way, well, it's, it's not so much that it was, it's how do you take those principles and that we learn on the mat and learn them off the mat because they are so relevant. And so when I was in Gottingen, I devised a class and it, it fortunately went really well. That's where we met. Cool. Um, and what I loved about working with you was there is a creative tension here um, between us that is this masculine feminine energy in kind of the way it's supposed to work. So we're not always sweetness and light. Uh, we sometimes have the odd difficult conversation, but we get through it. But we respect how each of us comes to the table and what we bring, and we're still learning what that is. And we want people to share in that. We want our participants to do that because what we learned from the research we did was it isn't about fixing women. They don't need fixing, they're fine. They're, they're successful, they're strong. What they need to do is reconnect and rediscover and find their voice again, not because they never had one, it, they did, but to go back into that and go, oh, I've got time, I've got space, I've got other people to commune with. And, you know, we've got masculine energy and feminine energy in the room facilitating this and in the outdoors. Um, hopefully that will become a catalyst. I'm sure that will spark conversations around an agenda that takes people through a whole uh, cognitive experience and also an embodied experience where there's a great deal of freedom mm. uh, to explore that without judgment um, and in a way that is safe for each of the participants. Yeah, it's so realistic, you know, so 
um, coming back to the what you were talking mentioning earlier, Paul, about you know the amount of money that's spent on leadership development, right? And leadership is so contextual today, with the challenges that we face, uh, you know, even within a very structured environment, etc. Um, for people to be able to find small but powerful ways to connect with each other, mm. to use the tech that is available in yeah. ways that's effective, you know, to find, to use some sort of uh, technical language for a moment, affordance and agency, yeah. um, are fundamental in, in being able to be effective. Okay. And I think, you know, that's what we really want people to be able to explore here. Yeah. And in such a way that they can go back into daily life and for it to be really useful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the echo chamber that is LinkedIn, we keep seeing the same messages over and over again, and they're actually not really, they're useful reminders in some ways, but they're reminders of what the old is. And the whole world, you know, as we come out of, out of the pandemic and into this environment that is perhaps more chaotic than it's ever been, more uncertain than it's ever been, then we need, we need something new uh, to to emerge, but that comes from individuals. It doesn't come from people saying, do it like us. It doesn't come no. from people saying, here's a change initiative that's going to change change your organization. Because the change, as we were saying earlier, when we were, when we were walking back from the woods, we were saying, you know, change, change is an individual decision. You know, and it's a dance, it's not a light switch. So our hope is that in designing this and in, and, and the way that we, we we, we bring and hold this space uh, for people to use that sort of phrase, gives people an opportunity and some time. In my organizational workshops, I often ask the question, does the outer world create our inner experience or does in some way our inner experience influence and create the outer one? Now, that might sound like a really strange question for busy, often executive teams who are used to delivering in high pressure or very political environments. However, it does make us stop and think for a moment. Life often feels like it's something that happens to us, but in fact, that's not really the case. It's really difficult to see what we need to do or to have an absurd amount of choice if we can't see what's possible. Uh, we might call that our affordance or where we want to put our resources, our energy, our time, our money, etc., uh, that we could think of as our agency. Our inner nature is just that. We often think about the fact that we, or we consider ourselves to be independent beings with our own uh, thoughts, feelings, ideas, perspectives, beliefs, whatever. Our inner nature is, like I say, just that, everything that's going on for us in any moment. Let's think though, when we arrive in any moment, with the product or the fruit of all the experience that went before it, we move through lots of different contexts. They shape us and we shape them. So we arrive with the sum or the collage, if you like, like this picture of all the things that we've been through already. The anthropologist and polymath uh, Gregory Bateson famously said that the major problems in the world arise from the difference between how nature works and how people think. <clears throat> if we take a walk through a forest or any other kind of ecosystem where there's lots of different kinds of, mm -hmm. of life, we will see quite quickly, we'll notice you know, all the different plants, all the different animals or insects that might be living there. 
If we walk a little bit further and think about that ecosystem, we might start to reflect on the fact that all of those different forms of flora and fauna are living there together. They compete and they collaborate in continuation, both as uh, an individual member of their own species and as part of that whole. Teams and organisations are quite similar. There are things that we need to do at certain times. There is a natural cycle of birth, growth, death and composting, just like in the forest, in order to let new things emerge. We can't keep things going forever. So as the outer world becomes more difficult, uh, conditions like the economy, climate change, social unrest and so on, it might be quite wise that we think about regenerating both our inner nature and the outer one. So given the importance of finding your voice to women who lead, let's go deeper to find out what finding your voice really means. Hi, Jennifer. How are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. How are you, Paul? I'm doing really good. It's such a pleasure and such an honor to have you on the podcast. Thank you for saying yes, as usual. Oh, at any time and always. It's my pleasure. So we've been talking about the retreat, and I know you were one of the contributors to the research for that. So thank you. Um, what we found was that it was clear that women in the workplace, those that are leading, don't need to be fixed. They're fine. They're strong. They're more than capable. But what did I come across was this idea of finding their voice or standing in their voice. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you and share, share your expertise on the podcast was because this is, this is your area of expertise. So from your perspective, thinking about finding your voice, why is that important? Well, to me, th those words are very, very powerful. And they are all, you know, I think that that expression in our culture today can be seem a little cliche. Mm -hmm. But I, if you'll indulge me, I think that starting backwards, voice is not just our, our what we're saying. But voice to me, as I understand it, not just in singing, but in presenting, but even living, voice really encapsulates you know, everything that is riding upon our self-expression. It is all of who we are and all of what we say and all of what we hope and long for. And finding, you know, to find your voice inherent in the word your is our, and there's a collective nature of that, which I'll speak to in a moment. I think that's important too, because I think in isolation, when we're stuck in our heads, that's where fear tends to, to ferment and, and exist. But the finding I love, because you've already alluded to this, finding is not learning a tip or a trick or some new skill. It's, it's uncovering and rediscovering what has always been there inherent and waiting within us. And so to, when, you, when you ask about finding our voices or finding your voice, that is all that is present for me. And specifically to your question of why is it important, I think that in the absence of finding or uncovering or rediscovering our voice, our self, our essence, our purpose, our value, our determination, our, our dreams, we're not living, you know, I don't necessarily believe in a bad life, but we're not, we're not fully self-expressed. We're not, um, we can't be fully joyful. There's a, a crimp in the energy flow 
And so I think it's imperative to, to find that and reconnect with that, that so that we can not just be alive, but can thrive. I love that expression, a crimp in the energy flow. I've not heard that one before. That's lovely. So for women listening to this, and for men too, actually, because I know there's a fair few men that uh, have a crimp in their energy flow. Um, <laughs> if you think about women in the workplace, um, mm -hmm. in your experience, what has been helpful? Because it seems like, you know, it, it, it might seem to some like a mountain to climb. And in mm -hmm. some respects, it's really just in the next door room. You've just got to open the door to connect to it. But assuming yep. that people are thinking, oh, that sounds like a lot of work, or it sounds tricky, or I couldn't possibly do that because I've been told I can't do that. What are some of the things that you've come across in your experience that, that are helpful as either practices or ways to think or something mm -hmm. else? Mm -hmm. Well, I think a, an easy one, or maybe it's, what is that wonderful expression? A simple one, though it might not be easy. Yeah. Um, I think that this is true for women, and as you said, for men, and not just in the workplace, but in every any area of our lives, relationships. Um, but specifically to the workplace, I think what happens to a lot of women, in particular, is that we enter the workplace feeling as a starting point that we need to crimp who we are, and kind of put on a a type of act or charade or put on something or bend ourselves in a way to be accepted uh, and certainly to succeed. And I would offer perhaps counterintuitively the reverse. I, in, in practice, it might seem strange and there is a practice I can offer, um, but I would begin that in any area of our lives, the, the fundamentally most important thing that we can do is to make a commitment to ourselves to be most authentically ourselves. And where I think people get stuck with this idea is to be authentically myself, Paul, for example, we'll just talk, let's use myself as an example. You invited me so generously onto this podcast and I feel entirely and completely myself. So taking a shower, making sure I don't have a piece of broccoli in my teeth, that isn't crimping my energy. That isn't me not being myself. I can be 100% who I am and comfortable and make choices that facilitate the, the ability of our connection to flourish. And so I think that women in the workplace, in particular men too, to reframe things for themselves to think, okay, I'm gonna go and be who I am. I'm gonna prioritize and value that that is a priority for me and has to be a commitment that I honor. And then once I'm there, because I'm not, stifling my energy or expending my energy trying to figure out how to fit and what to do and say and not do and say. I actually have more energy to really take in the landscape of things and say, okay, now what, what can I do on top of my being 100% myself that will facilitate connection, that will allow people to better understand me and will allow myself to more fully integrate and thrive here? And those aren't mutually exclusive things. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you but make allowance for their doubting too. Rudyard Kipling's poem, If, is a helpful jumping off point 
to begin to understand why Aikido is relevant to developing our leadership practice. The poem speaks clearly to the ideas of character and emotional intelligence, two fundamental requirements of what most of us would call leadership practice. Here I want to define some key terms and draw directly on the leadership framework which has been brought to life by Tom Burvins and his team of collaborators via a number of iterations through the Prometheus project. Leadership is a noun that means a set of human qualities and activities that are generative and creative. Leading is a verb that affords the outcomes in the workplace. Leader is someone who is responsible for making changes happen. Marikai Ashiba, the founder of Aikido, said that the purpose of training is to tighten up the slack, to toughen the body, and to polish the spirit. So Aikido training speaks directly to this leadership framework and the development of human qualities and activities that are both generative and creative. But who we are is how we lead. In today's business environment, the hidden costs of team conflicts and poor leadership are significant and preventable. These issues often stem from unresolved disagreements within teams. Many people avoid dealing with conflict, hoping it'll just go away. In the workplace, there are two dominating questions. The first is, am I right or wrong? And the second is, am I good enough? It's not uncommon to base our self-worth in the workplace on how I compare to others, whether others see me as good enough for the promotion or the pay rise or the bonus. In fact, many workplaces set themselves up to actually reinforce this. So how do you resolve it? How do you get a better outcome? How do you stop accruing costs? Well, Kipling actually gives us the answer by suggesting we need to be flexible and adaptable and responding to situations as they arise. If we keep pushing against one another, we become rigid and entrenched in our respective positions. There's no room for adaptability. This is where the martial art of Aikido comes in. Like any craft, there's so much to learn. It's a challenge to be able to explain all the principles in a short segment like this. Even after training for five years, I'm only just now beginning to see small glimpses of what this martial art is all about. Unlike all the other martial arts, Aikido emphasizes redirecting an opponent's energy rather than directly confronting it. This is the first principle. How do I redirect the other person's energy? How do I do that in a way that restores harmony to the situation? So on the mat, we say, how do we stop the fight rather than how do we win the fight? So as you watch this sequence of Aikido, note how the opponent landing on the mat unharmed at the end of each throw illustrates this. As we can see here in this first demonstration, the person receiving the attack actually turns to use the energy and momentum of the attacker to throw them, to throw the opponent, if you like, onto the mat. The second principle is that strength and power 
comes from a place of non-aggression and cooperation. Aikido emphasizes working with an opponent's energy and momentum rather than relying on brute force. Instead of overpowering an opponent with strength, Aikido practitioners seek to redirect and neutralize an attack by blending with it and using a circular movement. The goal is to bring an attacker's energy under control rather than meeting with, with force. For now, I'll press the pause button on Aikido. The GRACE framework is a mnemonic that helps individuals think about how to develop the quality of their ability to think. Our thinking is ongoing, top-down and bottom-up. It's a process that speaks about our inner operating system. And our inner operating system determines the quality of the relationship we have with ourselves and works towards minimizing and potentially eliminating the things that tend to get in the way of operating at our full potential. The purpose of the Graves framework is to fill the how-to gap left by the what of the two-by-two two box model of emotional intelligence. As we said earlier in the show, who you are is how you lead. The who you are is governed by the quality of the relationship you have with yourself. The GRACE framework offers a way to build stronger connection with ourselves and each other. So here we have a picture of the framework. Let's take a very quick guided tour. Grounding is the felt sense of connecting to and being in your whole being. It's your mind, your body, and your spirit all integrated together. And when we're grounded, we become an observer of the moment. The more we observe, the more we become aware of what's happening right here and right now in the present. It's what presence is all about. It's our experience that shapes our body and our body in turn shapes our relationship with the world. We feel this and other people feel this in relation to us based on how we are physically present with them rather than the words we use. Because of how we absorb and make sense and meaning of the world around us. As a framework, it offers guidance rather than being prescriptive. Unlike other frameworks, there's no prescribed place to start. You simply start where you are, where you're drawn to. They say inner stillness is the key to outer strength. And this is what grounding is all about, getting to a place of stillness so that we can become more aware of what's going on around us. Resolve is the setting of intentions rather than goals and the emotional connection to each one of those, making sure that we hold each intention lightly rather than being attached to it. Acceptance is the A in the GRACE framework. What it means here is the acceptance of what happens in the system, acceptance of others and acceptance of ourselves. So it means the acceptance of the system, self and others without resistance. Acceptance is an important how-to of leadership because it supports us remaining in a grounded state and maintaining our resolve. 
The process of acceptance, however, is not a passive one. A greater level of acceptance helps to connect us to a greater level of emotional and psychological agility. It's not advocating that we must accept everything or everyone we come into contact with, nor are we suggesting that acceptance is about masking or hiding our emotions. Creating is the process of courageously bringing to life an original idea from nothing. To create anything of beauty, daring and substance makes the world see itself afresh and is the work of lonely persistence against the tides of convention and conformity, often at the cost of the visionary's aching ostracism from the status quo that they are challenging with their vision. Embody explains the difference between having a mental or a cognitive appreciation of our inner game of leadership, and it's very different to having a felt sense of knowing. As the saying goes, to know and not to do is not to know. So today we've looked back at the first episodes of the Pocket Dojo podcast and why Paul and I have come together, why we think it's important to develop leaders differently. I've talked about inner and outer nature and the importance of renewing them both, particularly as life gets more challenging for many of us. We've also looked at how Aikido principles can help you develop your leadership practice, both on and off the map. We've also done a quick refresh of the GRACE framework, a way to develop emotional competence and fluidity to create strong, healthy working relationships. As always, we'll be writing more about these topics on our posts at Substack. You can find Paul's at The Pocket Dojo and mine at Learning Through Doing. Join us again in two weeks' time for episode six, when we'll dive deeper into the GRACE framework and we'll be sharing various practice with you that you can try out for yourself. You can watch the Pocket Dojo podcast on all your favourite channels and follow us too on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. Bye for now.